Welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. This week on TheRinger.com, our staff is ranking the 100 best moments in culture so far in 2019. This includes everything that happened in film, TV, celebrity news, memedom, and more. Cracking the top 100 so far are JLo and A-Rod's engagement, the rise of Lizzo, and the Cliff Wife phenomenon. Also, be sure to listen and subscribe to Ringer Dish, our new celebrity podcast, and catch the latest episode covering their favorite moments from this year in pop culture. You can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. Russ Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Long. The king of sad stop. The Silver Lake heartthrob. It's Troy Kirby. It's Nick Mundy. This is your WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a. the Goofaraja. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening. You're listening to this. You're listening to. You are listening to. You're listening. You're listening. listening. You're listening to the Masked Man Show. 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 Welcome to the Masked Man Show. I'm your host, David Shoemaker. I am in Los Angeles, California, the city where this podcast was born. But sitting across from me is my childhood friend, not really, but my wrestling childhood friend, one of the most important formative figures to the Masked Man Show Cheap Heat family, the one and only Brian Dipperstein. How are you doing, Dip? I feel great to be on the Masked Man Show. Ah, We're going to use that as a drop, right, Jim? Hell yeah. Um, it's good to be in LA. It's even better to be sitting across the table from you. This was a wild week in professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, Indeed, it was sort of. I mean, I guess what I, I got to be honest. I was at the beach. I was at the Jersey Shore for the first time with my family. Which shore? My which, which shore? Ocean City. All right, all right. It's a it's a dry beach, but that didn't stop me. Can I interrupt immediately? Yeah. So the <laughs> Surf Mall, okay, uh-huh. has what is really in my purview in my life currently. The only place where, besides like a terrible Target, you know, aisle, right? That you can really go and buy wrestling figures. Yes, I was I there. Mean, it's my childhood was filled with going in that black light room in the back that yes. still exists. It's the same ones from 1997 yeah. back there and the wrestling figure area. Oh my gosh, I was taking pictures of it left and right. I know, I know. My family lost me, and then my dom came over, and she was just like, <laughs> where have you been? And I was just like, I've been right here, like staring at, like it was like these beautiful, like LJN, yeah. Ultimate Warriors sitting right next to just like the limited edition Revival tag team pack, you know what I mean? And, just and like, it's a fortune, like that Revival pack is like $42, <laughs> yeah. you know? It's like, oh my God. Oh my gosh, I, I got so, I was so lucky I was so lucky that I that my baby was in a stroller next to me that I could look down and be like, the money that I spend is his food. So, you know, and I decided to not buy anything. That's why you have to be rich or Jace. Yeah, like I me. know. I like you. There you go. We can only dream. Listen, most people listening to this probably have some idea who Dip is. Uh, he's a high-powered Hollywood agent. He represents uh, a lot of high-powered clients and also some low-lifes like Peter Rosenberg. Um, it's kind of the whole spectrum there. Uh, but he's also, but he's he is the most diehard of diehard wrestling fans, which is a little bit of a weird juxtaposition because he's always walking around in an immaculate suit <laughs> with his hair perfectly coiffed, uh, and he seems like the coolest guy you know. He just turns out to be the biggest mark in the world. Now, when I say mark, I don't mean like smart mark, like he's into wrestling fans. Like Dip is an actual mark. Like he's an actual mark. His his abiding ethos is kayfabe only. He gets mad when we like talk about backstage stuff. He gets mad when there are like our text groups get a little get like leaked details. He gets he's gets kayfabe only for him. And I w- the first thing I want to talk about off the top, I want to apologize to you mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. uh huh. The f- one of the first times I remember us seriously disagreeing is when CM Punk left WWE, and I said, "This is kind of kayfabe, Jace," but I said. Oh, come on, you know, it's just, a, he needs a break. He's a good guy. He's my favorite wrestler. Let's whatever. And you said, he is dead to me. I will <laughs> never appreciate, never cheer for CM Punk if he comes back. That's I right. I will never like him again. I will never mention his name. That's exactly right. I feel, so, I, I feel that way even more so now. And it turns out, and I don't wish any ill on CM Punk. I actually think he is a great dude who just burnt out and 
it, it all ended up in a weird thing. Oh God! But you were right. I mean, you were right. He did. It, he did f over the WWE. Yep. Obviously, he had a lot of reasons behind it, mm-hmm. and he's never coming back. That's the most important thing for me as a as whatever level of Mark I am. He's just never coming back. He took an oath and he broke the oath. <laughs> he 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 mixed the his blood with, what with was the other, other someone else's blood. He he did the pin prick, and uh, he never uh, he he took he 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 did not follow through on the oath. He broke the oath. He's dead to me, a hundred percent. I think my biggest problem with the whole situation, and this is so far afield right now, but it's the it's the expectations. I talk about this on every podcast I have, especially my political media podcast. But the hardest thing as humans is to manage our own expectations in a sort of existential way. Mm-hmm. And it's like if he had left and God had come down from the heavens and just been like, he's really never coming back, <laughs> then I think that would have been fine. But I think three years or however long it's been, four or five years of years and years of of every time there's a music drop at a pay-per-view, you're just like, it's called a personality. And I know. That's I know. what ruined, that's what like kills you. Um, you know, I don't know how, how close attention everybody paid, everyone listening paid to, uh, to Stomping Grounds, but uh, the main yeah, event- Yeah, by the way, Stomping Grounds was on Sunday. We will be talking the, about it. The main event did feature a CM Punk chant because of how bored everybody was by Baron Corbin. Yeah. <laughs> so- well, that's a whole nother can of worms. There you go. We're I, gonna open up that can of worms. We're gonna a, talk about. We're gonna talk minutes. about Baron. I feel like every show now has a segment on Baron Corbin and Shane McMahon and our feelings about the reactions they're getting. We will, we will get to that later on. Um, but I just want to. I just want to make sure we get the full kayfabe only experience. Sure. You just told me as you walked in that you refused to watch the Alexa Bliss 365 because kayfabe only. I don't need <laughs> to see her working out, rehabbing the leg. I, I don't need. I mean, first of all. It feels like every single person gets a major injury. They get a special on the network. Okay. <laughs> I broke my toe six weeks ago. No one's filming me running around trying to rehab the toe. <laughs> You're still wearing like leather shoes. This is like your dress shoes. That's got to be excruciating. Today is the first day in six weeks that I am wearing a regular shoe. I don't know. For some reason, like I thought like I, I could be discovered today. You know what I mean? I, you know, doing this. Coming, to, coming you know? To, to Hollywood, man. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so no Alexa Bliss, no backstage. I do think that there's a little like, yes, every time somebody gets hurt, they're going to get a 365. They're going to get a network special. But it's also just a programming issue, right? They they need network specials. And <sighs> pro wrestling is made for, like, like the, the 365 formula in its short lifespan has already become as regimented as like the like baby face gets beat down and there's the hope spot and then he goes down again and then there's the comeback and he wins like like the like the old school match format is built into 365 totally and and it's just very basic like abc programming for them i don't even know what you're talking about 365 what is that i don't i've never (laughs) even heard of such a thing in my life so why are you why why kayfabe only has this been from childhood or is this like a thing where you just got tired of reading the dirt sheets as a as a grown-up i uh, first of all i always read the dirt sheets i've been i've been literally (laughs) I have been, my Raja has been my primary dirt sheet my entire life. I mean, literally since 1998 or whenever it started, 97, I was 10 years old. I have been, I have never missed an article written on Raja.com. I love that. I love that because first of all, Raja.com was hugely important to me when I was coming up as a wrestling fan. It's great that that's still your go-to. It's still the go-to. I mean, SE Scoops, I look at it. I look at them all. For, for the most part, like, like, for instance, like when I want to see like multiple opinions of a random Undertaker appearance just to like boost something like whatever, like I'm like, okay, I want to see how everyone feels about this. Right. But Raja, like if I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm at work right now, <laughs> you know, the phone hasn't rang in the last three seconds. Let me, uh. Let me take a look and see what's going Do on. Do you on have Raja. like a separate, like on the side of your desk? Is there like a 1988 Dell desktop yeah. because you have to use an old browser window to pull it up? I don't. Wow, I'm I'm telling you, it's it is a very good aggregator. There's not that many nonsense ads on it. It just it looks easy to to read. It's still the best. Shout out to Raja.com. I forget the the guy's name. I'm blanking like an idiot now on the the main guy, but I hope um, he's listening. Jeff to Whalen. This. I bet you he is listening. Is it Ram Jam? I'm sure, he's a huge mark. I, I think so. Um, but Matt Boone. Um, yeah, Matt Boone, Matt Boone. Yeah, Matt Boone. Shout out to Matt Boone. We've never met. I don't know who he is. We've never talked. Uh, probably met. Yeah, we probably we may have met. We may have met. Um, I, okay, I, I'm I'm full, I'm subscribing to Raja right now. Yeah, this is it. You've, you've won me over. Yeah. Let me just say one thing before we start, like start, start. This is one of the great <laughs> pleasures of my wrestling life to be on this show. Okay, I, I mean that I, you know, this show. You are one of the great wrestling minds 
Oh, I enjoy this show. That's too nice. I I now listen consistently. I mean, I'm listening to a lot of wrestling content and watching it a lot. But this is a great podcast. Okay. Thank you. Thank I will, you. I will just say that. Producer Jim, <clears throat> shout out Thank to you. you. <laughs> this is a great honor. Jim, I'm very honored to be here right now. I was ner- I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I'm shaking Shouts right now. <laughs> Shouts to Jim for auto-tuning my voice after every episode, <laughs> making me sound yeah. cool. Um, yeah, it's a, it, I, I appreciate that. I feel like I've reached the mountaintop, honestly, sitting here like, you know. It's fun. I, 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 like people, like, it's amazing. It is. It's fun to talk about wrestling. Yeah, that's the real wrestling. Yeah, wrestling's mage. Um, that's, that's really nice. So listen, you were a, you were you were reading Raja from the age of three. Yeah. Well, what was your what, who who'd you grow? We got to do this fast, but like, what was yeah, your formative fan. wrestling experience? Like, what was your what what made you the wrestling fan you are today? Where did the kayfabe only come from? I'll tell you, no joke. I I re, I got into wrestling at two years old. You know, I had my next door neighbors, the Bjacks, were were um uh were like huge <laughs> wrestling fans. Okay, yeah, they got me into it. We used to wrestle <laughs> the, in the their Bjacks. Yeah, the Bjacks. We used to wrestle in it's their, their son Donovan Bjack is in NXT right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. We he could be. It might. I mean, they're they're huge guys. These guys. But um, you know, uh, they they got me into. It. We used to wrestle in their basement and my basement and like you know they totally got me into it. One day, um, the first wrestling tape I ever watched ever was Wrestle War '89. Whoa. And, yeah, okay. That was that. That is the first uh, Wrestle War '89. The first, the earliest wrestling memory I ever had was watching the great Muda come out against Doug Gilbert. The first match of WrestleWar '89, the tape of WrestleWar '89, which is which is mixed with like multiple superstar and wrestling challenge episodes that my dad like put together on one tape, is still sitting in my basement in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, in my wow. parents' house. Next to the second wrestling event I ever watched, and my favorite event, WrestleMania six. So, there you go. So those those were the those were the first things. The demolition promo and the colossal connection promo. These were like the first things I ever saw in wrestling, and I was hooked from the moment I watched what those two events. Well, well, first of all, Wrestle War eighty nine. Yeah, Wrestle War eighty nine, aka the Music City Showdown. Yeah. So you saw. So you turn on the TV or you push play. There's I, some static and some trailer previews or something else. And then the great Muda lumbers out to the earth, the great slings Mu- out to the right. Yes. And the whole thing was I used to cry. I was terrified of Mu- of the great Muda, but I couldn't look away. Oh, it was like a horror movie. It's like me watching so like Annabelle now. You know. I have a <laughs> I have a memory. That's I have a memory of. I this was not my first. You know, my earliest wrestling memory, but I have a memory of being on vacation in Florida. So I'm sure and watching and whenever we go on vacation, I would find the local wrestling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't like I was seeking it. Not like we'd pull out the, the TV guide. I think I just like we'd go to the beach and my parents would just let me watch TV for eight hours. So inevitably I would find something. But I remember some studio show and somebody like smearing green slime, like acid oh, on yeah. somebody's face. I, I swear it was like Hulk Hogan blinding somebody in my memory. I've talked about this before because it was like. I was sure it happened, and then oh yeah, I have no. But anyway, that gave me nightmares for years. Oh yeah, when um, what um, Muda's manager, I'm playing with. What's wrong with me? You know, Gary Hart. When Gary Hart used to rip off his mask. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember like just just hysterically crying and running out of the room. Like that was like (laughs) my first, you know, like true wrestling fear experience. And then, and then it evolved into, you know, Survivor Series 90 and Undertaker coming out. By the way, that show, that show also featured, um, the SST, the Samoan SWAT team. Yeah. They were terrifying too. The Road Warriors who were to me always terrifying. Oh yeah. It's a great, by the way, it's a great event to watch. Great. That's, it's one of the great events in that era. You know, I I mean, it, it just, it looks great. I mean, it looks, you know, like the NWA did back then, but it, it, it's just a great looking awesome event you got i think iron chic versus sting i mean it's like what was the booking philosophy i know i should i should be the one who has to answer this question behind having mm-hmm. flair steamboat at this as the seventh match and then yeah. two tag team matches afterwards i don't know I, years ago in the nwa back then they would they they would put the match not they would put the main event not last i mean they always did they did that a lot is it in case it ran out of time like in case in case rick flair takes it does a broadway and that's it's prob- like an hour long yeah that's probably that's probably it but just i mean it was peak flair it was it was just a great time and a great event it was late, do that late more. i'd be much more interested um yeah anyway so those those were like the formative formative years and then i started collecting the ljns and then it just it escalated from there i used to play with them with my grandfather it was just it, it that was you know it's been a part of my life for literally 30 years he still plays with those toys he may in his bedroom every night he may um 
you talked about being scared of wrestlers. Mm-hmm. I'm going to finally talk about what happened on wrestling this week. Oh, wow. Jim is like applauding me right now for bringing this around to something that matters. Good job. Well, you're a genius. That's why. Um, one of the first wrestlers that I think everybody was scared of, the first moment of fear or one of the most seminal moments of fear in all of our lives was the Undertaker? He had the like the great. He had like the like the uh, the the button down shirt front, like the tie, the fat yeah, short the, tie. Yes, the sh- yeah. Um, even though he was the a little brother bit love, camp- yes. he was a little bit campier. The whole presentation, man. When he came out, that was scary as hell. Oh, forget it. And, and then it- as the years wore on, when they when they nailed down the gimmick, he got really scary. Even the silly stuff like the Phantom of the Opera period, like that was they, it was just scary. And then of course the I was watching some Ministry of Darkness highlights this past week. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. Not, Loved. not, I mean, that was scary. as one does, as one does. No, when he had the goatee with no mustache, and oh, no, oh my that god, that was I so mean, scary. It, he was incredible. And, he, and all the very, all the little tweaks to his look, with the exception of American Badass, take you know, you can take it or leave it. I don't, I'm not that mad at I'm, I think it's more of a weird thing that they kind of like changed his name a little bit more so than The Undertaker was just riding a motorcycle because that would have been fine. But anyway, um, but yeah, I, but he was just scary, consistently scary, and that's part, and that's why we love him. I think that that fear is a really important part of of why we love professional wrestling. It's either the fear that guy's going to kill me, the fear that like that is a bad thing that's really happening right there, and I shouldn't be allowed to watch it. Um, you know, I, my, I was tell, I was talking to my ten year old about it. I was explaining what like nightmares are to him, and because uh, he was like, he has a bad dream, but like it's not just like I woke up and I was scared. Um, I was like, you know, like some people have dreams that they like forgot to do their homework or whatever, you know, that dream that everybody has, like you wake up and you're like, or you're just like, oh shit, I'm not going to graduate college because I didn't go to class all semester. Like those kind of anxiety dreams. I had an anxiety dream growing up that like me and my buddy Sean were like suddenly walking to the ring to be in a steel cage match against demolition. Oh yeah. And on the way to scary. And on the way to the (laughs) ring, it occurred to me that I'm And I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And then on the way to the ring, I'm like, oh wait, this is real. And then I just I figured out I was about to get beat up by demolition. <laughs> that was my fear. You were demol were you demolition over LOD back then? I mean, I was. I mean, I was demolition. No, I was always LOD I even before they were in WWF. But I, I mean, I love demolition too. I don't. I didn't. I didn't realize it was really a. I was too naive to realize it was a implicit, uh, like one or the other situation until basically they were both in WWF, and I was like super excited. Um, yeah, but that's when Smash like started to get a little fat. Yeah, and his hair started to recede. Yeah. And but everybody's talking about how they were a ripoff, and they were. I mean, by any account, yeah. they were a ripoff. But I the grew definition up, of a Jace. But I yes, but I well, but I grew up watching so many of those. Like I like I watched the Blade Runners in Memphis wrestling. I wa- like everybody was like a fake. There were so many fake Road Warriors. You know, oh, we, yeah, we lived with we lived with the Warlord and the Barbarian for like Powers five years without ever thinking, without ever like talking that trash about them. That's that's exactly what they. How were. would you ever talk trash about Powers of Pain? You know how I feel about Powers of Pain. <laughs> I do have the Warlord's autograph, I, and I found it this weekend. <laughs> I, I met him at WrestleCon last year. I was totally starstruck. I couldn't even. I was like, uh, how big was how big was he? He gigantic. And by the way, he looks great. Yeah, he. They could still do it. The two of them. Yeah, they looked like normal people. Sure. Yeah, they could do it still. Well, they didn't. Yeah, I mean, they they. It's not like they were, they worked till they were forty or anything. They, I bet they could get back in the ring. In fact, I just asked Ted Wrestling for Sale to uh, acquire that red Powers of Pain shirt for me. He's like, "You're <laughs> going to have to pay two hundred dollars." I'm like, "Well, I'm not going to do that." He's like, "Well, that's what I'm going to pay." I said, "Well, I don't care. I'm not paying two hundred dollars." So we're going to have to make some kind of arrangement. You're going to pay five. I'm going to have to agent Ted. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mentioned the Undertaker. He made his triumphant return this week. He also wrestled it in Saudi Arabia, but I'm just choosing to ignore that that happened. So mm-hmm. he made a shocking, by by anyone's estimation, shocking return on Monday night to save Roman Reigns from the devilish hands of Shane McMahon and his Coast to Coast. Yep. And Drew McIntyre, who was there to help out too. As a long-term mark, um, were you excited to see The Undertaker back on Raw? I have very mixed feelings about this, and I'm going to tell you right now. Go for it. So on one hand, it makes no sense. Obviously, it's clearly a let's boost up this storyline move. You know, it's going nowhere. I, I'm, in my opinion, I don't think Drew McIntyre is going to make it. I mean, I'm not, I don't know what that, I mean, he's maybe if he didn't have the accent, mm. I'm, I'm not, I don't think that he is, I, he looks great. He's a good wrestler, but like, there's just, in my opinion, there was nothing there the first time. There's nothing there this time. I mean, they can try to push him all they want. Again, it's it's a misdirected push. I mean, there's he's a mid Carter. End of story. In my opinion, he's never going to be. It's never going to happen. Is it a problem? People are not going to get. People are not going to 
the 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 WWE universe is never getting behind babyface Drew or true number one heel Drew. It's never going to happen. Can you look too good to be a mid Carter? No, I like don't it's, think it's okay if he's a mid. Like there's not going to be a problem with him if he's just a mid Carter. No, and I think that's what he will be, and I think he'll eventually be in a tag with another guy that looks like him or something like that. I just he'll never. It's never going to happen. I still think they should put it, they McIntyre. should put him with Adam Cole and just make him like a father son, like a like a like a hardcore and crash holly situation. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> but any but anyway, so so you have Undertaker. It makes absolutely no sense. Uh, you know, obviously they want to put over Roman even more, and people have seen the Undertaker, and at least you know whatever. But like it, it, at the end of the day, there's no reason why the Undertaker is coming back other than him saying, "Okay, my match with Goldberg was so repug." I need to redeem myself in some way. I'm ready to do a program, you know, put me in something for, you know, five weeks in a row and like, let people remember me this way. Okay, fine. But the other part of me is like, fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) We have the undertaker Mm -hmm. and maybe finally for the first time in seven years, the undertaker who at the end of the day, I don't care if he's lethargic. I don't care if his hairline's receding. I don't care if he has a gut. I don't care. Okay. He's the undertaker. He's still great to see on television, no matter what. The lights go down. I mean, this is what we'd love. Yeah. End oh, of yeah. story. So this is what we go to wrestling for is to see people like The Undertaker. I mean, there's a, so I, I was I was blessed to see The Undertaker. It was the Raw after WrestleMania. Um, I was there with the valet. Dom is the her she grew up watching wrestling, not to the extent that you or I did, but she had a lot of wrestling in her childhood and the one thing she always said she wanted to see live was the Undertaker's entrance, and I did not go. know. I did not know he was coming that night. It was just total, total surprise. I knew there were rumors floating around, mm-hmm. but it wasn't until we got in the seat that I was just like, "Oh yeah, she wants that's that's her thing. That's what she wants to see." And it was just a moment. There's a little bit too of like we love wrestling uh, top to bottom. The matches are great. The athleticism is great. But the but a great entrance is almost like the be- the most transcendent thing. Absolutely. Or like the the Royal Rumble like series of entrances. And then the wrestling itself is sort of like you got to eat your vegetables after you had dessert and whatever. But like the Undertaker entrance is so big that I was, I remember, I mean, I was kind of keyed up in a good way after his match against Cena at WrestleMania, what was that? 33? I don't know. Whatever, whenever that was. Um, Because I thought, all right, this is the future. We get the entrance of the Undertaker. Mm -hmm. And then he just wrestles for 30 seconds. And then that's it. Like Like he can do this for 10 more years. Right, right. He still can, by the way. Like, I don't like he puts his leg up. He does the thing. I mean, he looked good on Monday. I mean, he he looked good at lifting his leg on Monday. The choke slam left a little bit to be. He, he, he missed the boot, but it doesn't. But he, he got his leg up. That's what's important. The uh, the here's the thing. I'm not sure, sure. that at, at his age, you can keep on putting throwing good after bad and saying like, well, my last match sucked. I got to have one more good one because that match may never come. No, it may never come. Like, what's it, the gambling phrase, Jim? You gamble, right? For when you're just like on a losing streak, but you're just like, I'm one more, one more hand. I'm going to make it all back. Like, that's what he's like. Yeah. Here's what I think they should do with The Undertaker. I mean, this is never going to happen. And my, of course, my, I, I live in kayfabe and I fantasy book all my whole, you know, my whole wrestling existence is fantasy booking. If they, re, and, every, you know, the criticism for The Undertaker is that he's not really, they haven't put him in a position to put over a young piece of talent or an emerging piece of talent or whatever. So, they should do one of two things. And, you know, I'm all about, like, matching people with similar gimmicks and having them wrestle, like, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Okay. Like uh, Hercules versus, uh, what was his name? Billy Joe. Billy no. Jack Haynes. Billy, Billy Jack, Jack Haynes. Haynes. Yes. The by the way, Nelson up, match by the way, a perfect example. <laughs> <laughs> Love so, that. Love that feud. Loved Billy Jack Haynes back in the day. Anybody that was on steroids in the 80s was, like, my guy. That's everyone. <laughs> huh? That's everyone. No, I know. But I, I, always, like, I always talk about my favorite Survivor Series team was, like, yeah. Someone asked me this when I first started podcasting or doing things, and I was just like, "Oh, without a doubt, it was under it was uh, Ultimate Warrior, Road Warriors, and Kerry Von Erich." And I just like yeah. looked at a picture of them, and I was like, "Oh, I had a type, <laughs> you know?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's my type too. We have a we have a very similar type. Um, anyway, but what they should do is, I mean, the most inc- the, what the best thing that they could do with the Undertaker right now is during during Extreme Rules, mm-hmm. you have. You know, the Undertaker pins Shane McMahon or pins Drew McIntyre with the, the whole gimmick. Uh-huh. The lights go out again. The ring is cleared and it's Bray Wyatt and the Undertaker. And you have, you know, him in the mask 
and it's they face off and it's like this is the final feud of the undertaker is to put over the next undertaker type Ooh. and then and you know you have them feud for three weeks bray wyatt defeats the undertaker at SummerSlam, or bray wyatt defeats the undertaker at whatever the next pay-per-view after that is and you know they 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 you know you do some vignettes you do this you do that it becomes like a you know you do a casket match whatever it is you you know he slams undertaker in the casket bray wyatt is is you know lives in infamy forever mm-hmm. and then the less version of that is alistair black which is not going to happen unfortunately yeah. but you know alistair black you really want to put over alistair black is the future of the of the company you have him face to face with the undertaker mm-hmm. at, at some point um who do you think knocked on his door by the way on smackdown it's cesaro oh it is yeah it's i it's mean in the dirt sheet? Yeah, it's in the dirts so i thought cesaro was on raw well what do you mean none of this matters what do you mean i, I could be on gp I could be on the Mass Man show. No, you're here I by wild the, card rules only. Yeah, I mean, what do you, who knows what the, what the, what the rules are anymore? So anyway, that's my whole feeling on the Undertaker situation right now and what they could be doing with him and what they're never going to do with him, unfortunately. But um, it's nice to see him regardless. Yeah. Just the way it's nice to see Shane McMahon. Yeah. Shane McMahon can do all the corny. Is, this is a hot take. Go he ahead. He can do all the corny stuff. And say line for line when he's basically reading. I don't know if anyone saw the beginning of SmackDown. It's like he was reading off cue cards. It was like, oh, my God, like an SNL sketch where you're like, oh, my God, why is he looking to the left? Why is he looking to the right? Mm-hmm. It really it was literally like that. But at the end of the day, I'd rather have Shane McMahon on television than not have Shane McMahon on television. Any little piece of nostalgia or cool factor or anything that you can take a piece of and say, oh, OK, this is something I can I can relate to. Shane McMahon is on television. I'm fine. I'm fine with it. He can stay on as long as he wants. There's part of me that thinks they're going to, first of all, I go back and forth on Shane a lot because I don't necessarily like seeing Shane every moment that he's on the screen, but I also like that there is a gravitational, a source of gravity on the heel side that actually seems to matter. And in this case, it's a sort of, I don't want to violate kayfabe only, but it like, Mm. God forbid, in the way that. In the way, I mean, in in the way that, you know, real life obviously can, can sometimes come into wrestling and, and that it matters in the way that we perceive it. Shane McMahon is a more legitimate heel than anybody else they could put out there because Shane McMahon is the owner's son. And it's not just that he's the, he has the, the character of the owner's son. It's that we know he's going to be, we know they're not going to give up on the Shane McMahon project. And in some ways that makes him more compelling and at least makes the storylines more compelling because it's because he's a heel. Like that's what a heel should be. He should be Ric Flair. Like I'm going to hold the belt for 10 years. You know, like I'm in, I'm, I'm situated at the top. And then when he gets beat up, it's fulfilling. Yeah. But that, that kind of goes to another point. It's like, it all depends on what they do with him. Shane McMahon, Shane McMahon, the person that Shane McMahon should be feuding with, and I, I think I've said this on, on other podcasts, whatever, like it, but I, I feel this way more than ever. Enough with Shane McMahon feuding with The Miz. Enough with Shane McMahon feuding with, you know, other mid-carters, frankly. Mm-hmm. Shane McMahon should be feuding with Triple H. Yeah. Shane McMahon should be feuding with his sister and his father and his mother mm-hmm. and other people who, whatever. It's all like yeah. the control of the company thing and that whole dynamic. It, there is no overarching storyline for, you know, that feels like the greater Something that we, oh, we have to tune in to see what happens with the A storyline this week. Mm -hmm. What's the A storyline? Kofi Kingston is an underdog and is the champion. That is the A storyline of wrestling right now. And there, but there is no control of the company family feud thing anymore. And it, that, that would add so much every week. I wonder if they're saving that for Fox or for the fall. Cause, but I think you're right. I mean, I think that, I don't know if they can save, they can afford to save anything right now. No. But I agree. I think that that's, that would be interesting. The problem is, and we're seeing this with Shane, is that they're, despite that, I mean, Shane does have proxies in the sense that he has two dudes that wrestle for him, or four dudes, depending on who you want to count, you want to count the revival in that mix. Um, but they have a hard time, they have a hard time, when, 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 it become, when it's a McMahon storyline, they have a hard time letting it also be about other people, right? It'd be like, if it were... Like the way the invasion angle should have worked, or the way all those things should like it's like if it or I guess the invasion angle worked that's this way to some extent, but if it's gonna be a McMahon versus McMahon feud, they can still they can only be on the screen for 15 minutes a night. We still have to have the rest of the show being maybe people fighting on their behalf, people fighting for the because they put them in matches together, but it can't just be them cutting promos for 50 minutes a night. You're right. I agree with that. However, I would take it. Okay. I would take it. I, I mean, I I can't listen to the sound of Stephanie McMahon's voice three weeks in a row on, on television, but at least 
it's like we feel like there's something bigger than yeah. just the matches. I totally agree. Like we, you know, we need like a power struggle. Like it, it's, you need that. Once they had the authority with Vince McMahon and, and Vince McMahon was the, you know, the Stone Cold Vince McMahon, like you, you can't ever, once you take that away, it's like, then it just all seems mid-card. Like you yeah. need the A++ Wait, this is scenario. actually a really good, this is a really good argument because it's, it's, it's basically the same argument that we make about Brock Lesnar, that when he's the champ, and he's gone for six months at a time, then no matter what they do with Seth Rollins and whoever Roman Reigns, it all feels like mid-card because, yes. we know, because the, the main belt's floating around there. And, and, and you're saying, yes. so basically since we've established that the McMahons, one are the owners, two are functional on-screen characters that are the most important characters on the show. Yes. That when they're not, even if we get tired of them, if they're not around, then you're right. They're people. What are people fighting for? Everything, every match that gets made, I mean, obviously Shane McMahon is heavily involved on screen, whatever, but in, in his absence, every match that Mick Foley made or that Kurt Angle made or whatever else is just subject to being erased by the McMahons when they come out next week. So why does it matter if Mick Foley or whoever your GM, even Daniel Bryan, whatever, if, if one of those page, if, if an authority figure makes a match that crowns a new champion, we all know that like Vince can come back the next week and just be like, nah, that never happened. Well, yeah, and he's been, it's happened in the last yeah. couple of years, but. And so, and yeah. so none of it matters. Yeah. And, you know, everyone, people are sick of Brock Lesnar. People, you know, Matt Riddle trolls Brock Lesnar for being, whatever. Oh, there's so much Brock Lesnar backlash. But at the end of the day, dude, when you go to that SummerSlam, you go to that WrestleMania and Brock Lesnar is in the main event, it feels like a main event. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, he's not a great wrestler. He's this, he's that, but he still looks great regardless of the physique. And, you know, Paul Heyman is still great. You know, I, the promos are getting boring, whatever. I know that, of course. But it still feels like a special thing when you get Brock Lesnar with the belt. I'm sorry. It's true. I agree. You know? I do think that he should get more out of shape. I think it would be great if Brock Lesnar, if they made a big deal about him signing like a lifetime contract, and then he just started getting fat. Well, he'll, he'll put a shirt on at some point. You know, it's, it's starting to dip. You, you, you see it. I mean, yeah, but it's fine. I just think it would be great if he was like really fat. Just, yeah. for, just for humor's sake. Yeah. What I mean, do you think, Jim, yeah. would you would you would you watch Fat Brock Lesnar? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. If he like ballooned to Yoko, yeah, size, yeah. They should have a lot of backstage promos of him, or like like uh, vignettes of him like going out to eat with Paul Heyman every night, and they're just like going to buffets and just yeah. what would his tattoo look like after he like blew up? You know, yeah. It's just like a weird. It, it's like a plank <laughs> instead of a sword. <laughs> yeah, it's like squiggly. Um, but but talk talking about the titles. I mean, this goes to another point that I wanted to make today. And, uh, you know, I'm curious how you feel about this. I mean, it's such a basic thing to say, but it is, it feels like in the last six months to a year, there are so many titles at this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's enough is enough mm -hmm. with the titles. I mean, I, the 24 seven title, we can have an old conversation about that if you want, but there's the U S there's the intercontinental, there's two tag belts, there's the women's tag, there's the, there's the universal, there's the heavyweight. There's the, I mean, it's, it's, everyone's fighting for a belt. I mean, it's like, there's no separation between things yeah there needs to be one intercontinental champion one heavyweight champion that fights with the with the wild card rule now yeah. you need one champion for both brands one tag champ one women i mean there should be four titles end of story you can wait for four men's titles for any title for uh there no mm -hmm. five i guess five so you have the you have the women's world title mm -hmm. you have the women's tag fine okay. you have the men's championship the yeah. heavyweight you have the tag and the intercontinental five. Yeah. That's how many titles there should be in wrestling. I agree. Okay. Because, because they are telling zero compelling storylines. The only thing they can do is chase the belts yeah. so that there's so many belts. So it's like, Oh, now he's chasing but this you're, belt. But now when you're doing like belt. 14 pay-per-views a year, then that's all really you have time to do is chase the belts. I mean, that's part that's a, that's the monster they've created. I think that the amount of belts and the amount of belt chasing is another reason that the actual storytelling has been stunted. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, there's a little bit of the chicken and the egg thing. Uh, is it the belts that make the writing bad or the writing bad is now the belts are the only crutch they can use to get through it? But I think that you're probably right. I think that I think that for whatever reason, it's just they, they've gotten into this monotony and, and they cannot they cannot see it. Now, there's let's give them. Yeah. I mean, let's not go too far down that road because, I mean, we can go as far down as you want. It's not 100 percent, as I guess what I should say, because. Like in NXT, which we all love, mm -hmm. love, many of the feuds are about the belts and about respecting the titles and about 
wanting to earn this thing that that person has. Now, there's a lot of other backstory layered into it. It's not just that. But, you know, we all long for a wrestling that's more of a pure sport feel, more of a, what, Southern territorial feel where, like, that kind of stuff mattered. Where, like, you know, Dusty Rhodes and Tully Blanchard hated each other, but they were fighting for the TV title. You know, I mean, that's what that's what they really, they were swapping that back and forth. That's what mattered. That or the valet or whatever. But, like... um but no, I mean they can. The belts, belts are not. I mean, belts are very important tools. Of and, course, I'm not but, denying but, that. But part of, but but there's, but I think that the point you make is absolutely correct. And I, but I think the flip side is you have to make the belt. What you were saying before about too many belts is that they have the, the belts have to matter. And it's a, it sounds like a corny old Jim Cornette thing to be saying, but it's true. I mean, to have if you want someone to say, I want to take that belt from you. There's no reason for any WWE wrestler to say. I want to come and take this belt for you because that belt means something. And I want and I and I'm mad at you or and I I want to beat you up and I want to take your belt because that belt should be around my waist. I should be the big dog. I should be the I should be in the spotlight. I want to take that belt for you. There's no reason why anyone would ever say that when you can lose a belt and then the next night walk backwards into a into a heavy into a WWE World Championship match just by virtue of choking a dude. Oh my god. I mean, it's crazy. And I'm speaking of course of our dear friend Samoa Joe, who, who we is, love to death. Who not only do is a good guy, great guy, but is also like one of the top 5 wrestlers in WWE. I Definitely. say that with in, with complete confidence without actually looking at the listings, you know, looking at the the roster, but he's so good. And he has had uh, one of my notes on this was Samoa Joe's Wild Week. Um, he he on Stomping Grounds. Let's go ahead and talk about Stomping Grounds. Stomping yeah. Grounds. It's clear. I mean, first of all, let's just it, it's clear they have no clue what to do with Samoa Joe, or they know exactly what they're going to do with Samoa Joe, which is okay. every summer he gets he gets a three month program with the champion and he never wins. Is that something to do with Samoa Joe? Who's I'm just one saying, of the greatest wrestlers in the, in the, in the no, company. It's the wrong thing to do with Samoa Joe, <laughs> but it is a thing that they do with Samoa Joe. This is like the what, third summer in a row where he's just going to have a championship title feud and he's not going to win. I know he's like, he's it's, it's sad. Honestly, it's sad. And he okay. looks better than ever. And he's, his movesets awesome. And literally all he did was come out and choke Samoa Joe on raw. And then on SmackDown, Kofi, Kofi Kingston. Kingston says, you know, the thing about Samoa Joe is that when he gets you in that grip, it's really, it's a, it's tough. It's a tough grip. And then the next segment is, they're the main event of Extreme Rules. I mean, it's a disaster. I mean, what is that? Yeah. What are they going to do for the, let's predict right now what the Mishigas is going to be between Kofi Kingston and Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe will face Big E. Samoa Joe will face in a handicap match between Big E and Xavier Woods. Since Samoa Joe and Kofi will have a gimmick match that ends in a schmaz. And then we'll have Extreme Rules where Kofi has a like just a match where he beats Samoa Joe probably clean. And then blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's just it's so ridiculous at this point. The way the lack of creativity that it's 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 offensive. It's getting offensive. Well, there's, there's probably going to be some some high point where Samoa Joe says something that's a little bit shooty to, to right. Kofi Kingston. Right. He'll get a mic and about be Ghana. Like, or about like the only reason you're the champion is because like Ali got hurt and they ran out of booking ideas or something. You know, he'll oh, say okay. he'll, he'll say something a little bit shooty on the mic, and then yeah, that'll that'll be the thing that gets us all a titter. But the, but yeah, it's a it's a okay one one line. I mean, come on. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. But these two guys are going to have, okay, I mean, the, the, they're going to have a fun feud, or at least a fun match or series of matches. We want to see Kofi versus right? Don't you want to see? It's just the lack, the, he's shaking his head. It means everybody. nothing. I don't care <laughs> if Hulk Hogan f faces Stone Cold Steve Austin. If there's no story between the two of them, I don't care about the match. I don't, it's not interesting to me if there's no reason for two people to be fighting. There needs to be a reason the two people don't like each other. Not just because one guy has a death grip around your neck and this guy doesn't deserve it. I mean, these are not reasons for they people to have, hate each other. I have a great idea. This is just based on what you were just talking about, but totally separate. We should have a, at WrestleMania next year, instead of like a gimmick battle royal or a legends battle royal or whatever, we should have a sins forgiven battle royal where whoever <laughs> wins, we can't talk about the bad thing they did ever again in real life. I, that's fine. Cause I live in kayfabe. <laughs> So I'm down. Anyone that's had any kind of like drug issues, uh, secret sex tapes, uh, 
I don't, I mean, some, you know, any personal family stuff, whatever, no matter how bad it was, if you committed murder, fine. You entered into this <laughs> battle royal and the winner, it gets stricken from the record. <laughs> That's so funny. And no one on the internet can be like, why are they pushing this guy? He failed and he failed a drug test. He wins the expunged heavyweight championship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh my it's God. The sins forgiven battle royal. This, this, this should really happen. Anyway. So Samoa Joe, whatever. I'm excited to see him in the main event. Such as it is, but you're right. Come on, why are you excited? I mean, if it were like him versus Brock Lesnar, and like with the, the, I don't even, I don't know, I don't know. It's not, uh, it's not going to mean anything. It's, it's a placeholder for whatever they're going to do with him at SummerSlam. Um, so, uh, and that's that. We got to talk about stomping grounds. Sure, let's talk about it. Stamping grounds. I watched it a hundred percent. I'm just going to run through the results, and we'll, we'll see what you think. Uh, Drew Gulak is your new cruiserweight champion. Pass. I love, I love Drew Gulak. Me too, but what are we going to talk about? That show's actually good. You might like 205 Live. The past month has been on I can't fire. fit anything else in. This is the best you I gotta can You got to fit do. AEW in there somehow. I'll fit it in for three weeks. And if it doesn't hold my... I'll tell you right now. I will give AEW three weeks. And if AEW <laughs> does not hold my attention and I am not interested in the storylines after three weeks, I'm never watching it again. Wow. Unless it, like, there's something <laughs> that I need to see because right. someone debuted or something is interesting. I will not... I will watch it for sure. And I can't wait. But I will give it three weeks. That's the timeline, the um, time frame. I should really pay more attention to what's going on, on the internet. By the way, this is a total aside because apparently it leaked out that they like uh, reserved a name for Wednesday night. Yeah, they did. Yeah, so it's it's good. I forget what it was, but I, I saw it. I said, oh, okay. Yeah, I thought I didn't realize it was a conversation. Like I knew they were going on Wednesday night. This yeah. is this is this is what I, sh- I should be breaking news. Yeah, why, why do you get Raja.com, R A J A H.com? What are you doing? <laughs> I've known for I've known for weeks. No, it's going to be a Tuesday night. It's going to be a Wednesday night, two hour show. Yeah, good. I'll see you there for three weeks. All right. Um, yeah, so that happened. Becky Lynch defeated Lacey Evans. Mm-hmm. We can talk more. I want to talk more about Seth and Becky sure. at the end of this. And right. I feel bad for calling them both by their first names, but that's fine. I'll do it. I'll talk Owens about and that. Zane over the new day. That was fun. With the stunner, the, uh, the well, his stunner's great, and he's Xavier got a good Woods stunner. Sold it like a million bucks. He sold it. Well, Xavier Woods is, is the man. Um, the stunner is really good when it's done by a kind of a fat dude because it makes the drop look that much more powerful. Oh, yeah. yeah, he just landed perfectly on his ass. It yeah. was just like perfect. But um, I, I mean, it, it's whatever. I mean, it's any it's anything you can see on Raw. I mean, it's whatever. You know, the, the match meant nothing. But I, I'm I like. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Samoa Joe's uh, wild week aside, are you excited for Ricochet as U.S. champ? I'm I, I'm excited for Ricochet, dude. He is even in this match. This match last night. If I don't know how you know, I don't know exactly when you're going to post this thing. But if any, if anyone has seen the first of all, I'm, I'm totally opposed to the AJ Styles Ricochet match from SmackDown because it was not for the title. And like these are the two greatest wrestlers in WWE. Yeah, <laughs> but they never save anything. I'm not surprised about anything they do anymore. But the match is awesome. There are some incredible sequences. Ricochet is, there is no one like Ricochet. He's so good. He is unbelievable. It's almost insane. You know, well, the, 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 the conversation, we will talk about this when we talk about Seth and Becky, but there's, sure. Will Ospreay is very involved in the Seth Rollins Twitter feud at the moment. Right, I saw that. Do you watch enough Will Ospreay to, to compare him to Ricochet? Will Ospreay, no, but I will tell you that he is, an, I know he's an incredible wrestler. I've seen him plenty. He's incredible. There's a lot of great guys I only, out there. My only hang up with Osprey is that he's not, is that his finishers are not aerial enough. Like he does, mm-hmm. like, like he does, I don't know. I just feel like he's, he's. Uh, I mean, it's impressive to see him like fireman's carry a big dude, but. Um, he's a great wrestler though. I mean, he's, I, but he's one of the best. Yeah, he is. He is. World. But by the way, he'll come to WWE one day. They'll put him in no storylines. They'll put him against a bunch of schmageggies and he'll end up on 205 Live and that'll be the end of uh, our friend Will Ospreay. We'll see. We'll see. He has, he has a little bit of bargaining power right now. Da- Brian, Daniel Bryan and Rowan over Heavy Machinery. Love Heavy Machinery. Do you really? Yeah. I'm into heavy machinery right now. Because it, what? The, the, I like, they I, remind you of the gimmicks of your youth? Yes, or because they remind me of the gimmicks of my youth. What else needs to be said? I just think Tucker looks weird in that outfit. I think that's my, I think I've, I've distilled my, my anxieties about heavy machinery down to like, can't Tucker just wear pants? Whatever. You know, that guy, the Otis's look is just, you know, unmatched. I oh mean, yeah. The guy no, looks Otis like is, a, Otis is, Otis is made man. I mean, he looks like a giant meatball, this guy. Um, I want to put marinara sauce on that guy. Bailey over Alexa <laughs> Bliss with Nikki Cross. Uh, the the SmackDown fallout was that uh, Nikki Cross cost or Nikki Cross cost uh, Alexa her dear friend Alexa Bliss the title at Stomping Grounds, and then she won her the opportunity back 
for an Extreme Rules rematch between Alexa Bliss and Bayley. So it's kind of interesting that they're playing with this Nikki Cross being Alexa's crony, but also kind of crazy, and they eventually will split up and fight, I assume. Yes? Yeah, but they've abandoned completely, like, the darkness of her character. So now what is she just, she's just like a like an underlay. I mean, it's, it's typical crap. It is crap-ola. <laughs> okay? End of story. It's just, they've totally ruined Nikki Cross. I mean, I'm not a big well, Nikki Cross fan, that, but they've ruined it. It's done. It's over. What is she going to do? Well, uh, Nikki Cross can make a comeback. It's but over for say, her. Uh, it's, it's over. If, if you want to do what I always do, which is give them too much credit and read everything you can into it, I would say, yeah, Nikki Cross is a little bit of like a, she's a, an outcast and she's finally found like a, a popular person who's like giving her the time of day. Mm-hmm. But that's also sort of what they're doing with the Ember Moon storyline. Not the popular person part, but they're booking her as an outcast for no particular, like no one ever looked at Ember Moon and they were like, she gets bullied. No, she looks cool. Yeah, like what in the world is like Ember Moon would be like would be like every the person everyone looked up to. Ember Moon, the person with the greatest finisher in wrestling. Oh yeah, by the way. But they, I mean, it's come on. I mean, what are we even talking about? Roman Reigns. They ruined Ember Moon too. We, we talked about Shane McMahon and Drew and Roman Reigns, uh, but Roman Reigns beat Drew McIntyre. Um, uh-huh. They will fight now. We're gonna like we said, we're gonna have Roman Reigns and the Undertaker versus Shane and Drew at. Uh, extreme rules. If they don't pull some kind of gimmick out in this one or pull something fun, it's 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 a wash. I'm very into your Bray Wyatt thing. Would have been not into that at all six months or a year ago, but I like the idea of like yeah. the Firefly Funhouse and having puppets making fun of the Undertaker, like having like a biker taker puppet, you know, or having like yeah. a Ministry of Darkness themed, you know, whatever. Like you could do stuff with that. Oh, you could there it, and then have the under the Undertaker could come could like show up on the Firefly Funhouse and tear the set down. Tear the set for sure. Oh, how how great would that be? be It would change everything. Every, like, it would give you a reason to tune in. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you, are you, do you you have a reason to tune in to Raw on Monday? No. Can you even say a thing that will allow, like, say, oh, I need to watch? No. No. We need one thing. Give well, me I, one no, thing. I, I got to see what Baron Corbin does. That's oh, of thing. course, of course. Uh, and then uh, Kofi defeated Z- Dolph uh, in the steel cage match, which had a great finish. The first time the door has ever been used for anything fruitful except for slamming on somebody's head. I would agree with that. That's the first good. Right? Is that the first? Is that? I mean, the only, the only oh, no, steel cage, the yeah. only steel cage finish that I remember where the door, where just like leaving through the door was a great spot. You're absolutely right. Usually, I, sometimes people scramble out through the door after yeah. a thing that happens in the ring or whatever. They timed it well. It was really good. Oh, Kofi's yeah. great. And by the way, Dolph can do no wrong, in my opinion. Love Dolph Ziggler. I love Dolph. That's positivity. The power of positivity from the majesty. Yeah. You should you should hire Dolph Ziggler. I love Dolph Ziggler. Sign Dolph Ziggler as a client, but also just hire him to be like, he could be your bodyguard. I like that a lot. That's <laughs> smart. I saw him walking down Wilshire Boulevard the other day. He looked great. Yeah, he's he's one of the best. Yeah, he is. Um, and he he had another match against Kofi Kingston on SmackDown to enter himself into the Kofi uh, Samoa Joe title match at Extreme Rules. He, and he lost it. It was a two out of three falls match. We haven't even talked about two out of three falls. Okay. Have you noticed that they're having two out of three falls matches every week now and every on both shows? And do you have you heard the rumors as to why they're doing it? Yeah, of course I heard. You know, but by the way, they they went back on their. They went back on it this week. <laughs> so, the, so the story goes that Vince just arbitrarily, or not arbitrarily, but out of nowhere decided we're not having commercials during matches anymore. Okay. And so instead of doing, okay, so the, the argument that people have been making for a long time is that it's dumb to have commercials during matches because a match might end during the commercial. And why, if this was a real sport, why would you ever risk that? And... There, and even if it's a fake sport, maybe you should just have a match in during the commercial every once in a while so people know that anything can happen. Like, if we're going to go to commercial, you might miss something. Like, you but you better, you know, whatever. Like, But if it were a real sport, they would wait till the end of the match and throw up 10 minutes of commercials, right? Yes. And if, it, and if it's going to be a fake sport, then you have to just acknowledge the fact that it's feasible that something could happen during the commercial break and not every single time you can... F- you can flip the channel when a match starts because you know that it's nothing's going to happen until they come until the commercial break happens and they come back from commercial. Like you can skip the entire, you can skip two thirds of the match really easily. I will go against my kayfabe only and 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 say that I I agree with the ending the match before the the break. I don't like when the match goes through two breaks. Basic, basically, basically th- that problem can be solved just by getting rid of the corny. 
zoom into this thing and then go to break. I hate when yeah. they do that. It drives me insane. Or just do what they do on SmackDown they, sometimes and just have the have the the picture in picture. Like have just have the match going on in the corner during the Snickers commercial. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, I know why they do that, but like, is anyone watching the corner? I mean, at least, at least, it, it 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 reinforces the idea that anything could happen. We're not fully cutting away. We have commercial obligations, but this match is still going on. And you and yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure Snickers. Why that? I'm pretty sure Snickers would be okay with like giving people a reason to watch the commercial. You know, like that that makes you want to watch the commercial more. Absolutely. Of course they're okay with it. Or you're not yeah. gonna flip the channel. It only anyway. helps the product. But so anyway, there's this long standing critique uh that you should that if it were real sport, they would never go to commercial during in the middle of a match. This is true. But instead of and, and then Vince says, Okay, no more ma- after years and years of this, no more ma- no more commercials during matches. Great. But he but you he missed the point altogether. The point is not you're going to have the exact same commercials at the exact same timestamps in every episode of the show. We're just going to somehow craft the matches so that they have brief breaks during the commercial breaks. That's mind-boggling. I don't understand that at all. But they just, that's what they decided to do instead of holding the commercials for the end of the match, which you'd think would be fairly easy on a three-hour show or even a two-hour show that has 45 segments. Yeah. I get, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, again, like, the I I still... If I had a preference, uh, it would be that the matches end before the break. Yeah. So anyway, one of the solutions they've come up with is having these two out of three falls matches. Yeah, they're boring. I hate them. Uh, every week, both shows. It's where, too much. Where they, last week they just went to break. They went to commercial during between falls without explaining that like there was going to be a rest period. But then this week they've been like, there will be a two to two two to two and a half minute rest period between each fall. It's like why wow, that's every that's so dumb it's dumb it's just another excuse for them to not tell stories and for them to just like have you know boring matches anyway Dolph uh, Eric Kofi wanted to add a three falls match against Dolph uh, Dolph will not be in the main event at Extreme Rules okay uh, that's fine no big surprise there and then the main event finally here uh, the main event of uh, of Stomping Grounds aka Stamping Grounds Seth Rollins defeated Baron Corbin with special guest referee Lacey Evans which was Pretty fun as a solution to this problem. Finally, a heel that Baron Corbin could get as the special guest referee that Seth couldn't hit with a chair. I know, dude, but you're watching it and you want something, you know, and you get nothing instead. It's like you they just let you down. I I get why they did it. And it makes sense with the Becky and the thing. I the mixed tag. It sets up the mixed tag. I understand storytelling in wrestling. Okay. I've been watching again. I've been watching it for 30 years. but. You can't just build something up just to serve your own, serve yourself. You need to give something to the fans. You can't just, it's not just an exhibition for them. It's an exhibition for us. Like we, you know what I'm saying? Lacey Evans was a letdown. Everyone's like, well, Lacey Evans. Oh, oh, why we know why this is happening. Mm -hmm. It's just predictable. There were booze galore. There were boring chants. There were CM Punk chants. There was Daniel Bryan chants. I mean, people... That that's not real. That's real heat. They hated it. Mm-hmm. They absolutely hated it. So, including me, shocker. Well, does it does it make you feel better that they've acknowledged Lacey Evans, the hatred for Lacey Evans enough that they've just like t- fully subsumed her under Baron Corbin's umbrella of hatred? The hatred is not for Lacey Evans. There's two different kinds of heat, as you know. There is there there is you know real heat and fake heat, or like kayfabe heat, and mm-hmm. you know what. what and and you know real heat yeah go Baron away Corbin, heat, yeah. Go, Baron Corbin has go away heat Lacey Evans has real heat you think so yes well, that's good for Lacey Evans yes I think they should just eventually have a stable Shane McMahon Baron Corbin Lacey Evans of all these people who are just like we hate them for eating up screen time and let them be the new ministry of darkness the ministry of like the the, the ministry of changing the channel yeah the, yeah exactly exactly oh yeah that could be kind of fun I like that I like that. The Ministry of Changing the Channel. Um, but it does kind of feel like we're trending that way. I mean, th- this seems to be a lesson that WWE has really, l- really learned. And it's an argument that I've been making for a couple years, which is that the only real heat in wrestling is go away heat. It's the only real heat in wrestling. That is true. Because the moment that they get that, that, that somebody gets heat for kayfabe heat, they become face. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately. Or the feeling that you don't deserve something. And that's what Shane has. That's what that's what Jinder Mahal had as champ. You know, it's a it's a it's like you fell backwards into this thing for some reason that's not just we didn't cheer you into this title, so we hate you. Yeah. I you know, just going back to Kofi, is like, where does it end for Kofi? You know, where does it 
where does the journey end? Because it is not going to be the demise of the new day. Um, they they will be around. Mm-hmm. They were sell, you know, they're selling merch. They're popular. They're they're the biggest thing on wrestling. I think you know. I think the the solution um, to make it even bigger is to have the is to have you know Biggie and and Xavier win the tag titles so that the all of the new day have gold around their waist. Yeah. Um, and then you know find some way to implode it. You know, but where does it end for Kofi with his title run? I think. I mean, my guess is that it ends with. Brock Lesnar cashing in on the first episode of SmackDown on Fox. Or SummerSlam. Yeah. That could totally happen. Yeah. Although I find it, well, would they not book him for SummerSlam? Maybe maybe, maybe they wouldn't. Maybe they don't need to. Um, yeah. I want to talk more about Seth okay. and, and Becky. Because okay. this goes, we're going to come full circle now to kayfabe only. Mm-hmm. So their relationship, which has been acknowledged, was acknowledged by WWE a couple months ago. Uh, first, you know, rumors started circulating WrestleMania time or whatever, and WWE finally like put out some YouTube video or twenty four seven thing that kind of showed them embracing. And they, we are, we all knew that they were in a relationship, and they tweet back and forth and whatever else. But now it's storyline. There are some good things that have already come out of this. One being Becky Lynch shoving Seth out of the way just to punch Lacey Evans in the face more is the coolest thing Becky Lynch has done since WrestleMania. Like there, like there, there is some, there is definitely some upside to this. So I don't want it to sound like I am shitting on this product, th- this decision. But is there any way where your top male champ and your top female champ are in a, or an on-screen item, and they're not heels? Okay, well, I have a very strong opinion on this. Go. <laughs> they have an opportunity here to do something amazing. Okay, uh-huh. which is a full-blown, you know, m- like love story between the two of them that implodes into like a like a on-screen feud between mm-hmm. the two of them and you know if they you know hopefully they can keep the relationship together you know for a period of time to to make this happen but there's a if they don't capitalize on the fact that like they they need to do some kind of love triangle with Lacey Lacey needs to be hitting on Seth they they have an opportunity for a real storyline here oh yeah. my god here we are you know we have an opportunity for a love triangle which is compelling and mm-hmm. was in the Attitude Era and was for, you know, you know, Ric Flair and, and, and Macho and here, here we are again. We have the opportunity for the highest profile people at the company yeah. to be in a love triangle. And sorry to be the pessimist. They're going to squander it. Yeah. But it's 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 right in front of your face. She's moving him out of the way. Uh, you know, Lacey gets. You know, they they see each other backstage. There's some vignettes between the two of them. So you want to? You don't want them just to acknowledge reality. I know you're kayfabe only. No, anything. Yes, they. I need the full kayfabe out of this, right? Yeah. Well, what what do you want? You want him him putting his arm around her and kissing her head, and then the two of them walking out with the titles? I mean, what 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 does that what does that do for us? I think that gives you an incredible heel duo, which is not necessarily a bad thing. By the way, if they want to go that way with it then that's good too. But that should still lead to like a love triangle with Lacey Evans. <laughs> I'm sorry. But the I'm two... Not, the two <laughs> I'm not sure what kind of fantasy booking you're doing here. But, uh, you, uh, know, you know, you um, know. I'm always fantasizing. It would be fun if they brought... I know this goes against kayfabe only. It would be great if there was like... If they actually acknowledge their, their relationship. If, you know, if whoever they're fighting gets on the mic and they're just like, guys, any student of wrestling history knows that this relationship is doomed, right? We all remember Triple H in China. We all remember... Kevin Sullivan and woman, you know, we all remember like whatever, just like run. Those are both like really dark. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. There've got to be some ones that don't involve some tragedy, but yeah. just like run through all of the failure relationships, all the people that got, you know, ended up being in a kayfabe relationship that turned into a real relationship. Like this is never going to last if you let it come on screen guys. Yeah. And it can't be Baron Corbin that does that or else it'll sound like, you know, uh, there's been stuff in, in the past that, you know, didn't work st- stuff that you're doing here and you know that's right i mean that's you know that's basically what he's capable of on the mic um uh matt hardy and lita would have been a non-tragic example yeah well i mean depending we, on who you ask it should be they should have a segment it, they call back to the rock and mcfoley and have a segment where it's like seth it could be baron corbin or whoever he's feuding with and it could be like seth rollins this is your wife and they just bring uh, that doesn't really work because it's not his wife but bring out every wrestler who has been in a failed backstage relationship <laughs> and explain to them why they can't make this a gimmick. I love that. And then that. they're just like, we don't care. Fuck you guys. We're going to be in love and we're going to do this. And then they just hug and kiss. And maybe they have, 
they they just rub it in your face. I'm not I'm not a I'm not advocating for like an ed, an edge and Lita level of uh, on screen copulation, but just all they have to do is be supportive, healthy relationship couple, and they will be heels. They need to go somewhere with this. If they miss the opportunity to make an actual compelling storyline out of this, it's 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 typical. But they they just can't. They can't. It's true. Yeah. I think, I mean, they're obviously going to do something. They're going to try something. We got a mixed tag at Extreme Rules. Extreme Rules is, by the way, uh, what is it? July 14th? It's tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, so we got a lot of matches for it. We got the mixed tag mixed tag match we were just talking about. Reigns and Undertaker versus McIntyre and McMahon. Kofi Samoa Joe. Bailey versus Alexa Bliss. So and Drew Gulak versus Tony Nese. I know you're excited for that. So yeah, we have a full card already tapped, already on tap. Yeah, but there's no stipulations yet. This match well, is going to be a tornado tag match. According to... According to uh, Wikipedia, I mean, yeah, the, the the Rons and Lynch versus Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans match is a last chance winner takes all mixed tag match. What does that mean? I'm assuming it means that if Baron Corbin and Lacey they Evans both, lose, they take both titles. If they win, they oh, get both right. titles, and if they lose, they don't get any more matches. That's not extreme. I want to uh, see blood, David Shoemaker. That's blood. What you, that's what you care about. I live for blood. That's yeah. why I'm watching you MMA wanna, more. That's why you watch what? I'm watching MMA a lot more because you just want to see people's faces caved in for real. Yeah, I want to see blood. I'm out for blood. Yeah. I'm a Jewish vampire. <laughs> Let me run through this news before we get out of here. Okay. We've talked about most of this. Oh, Seth Rollins. The other thing we didn't talk about is him going on and talking about how Seth, how, how uh, Dean Ambrose, a.k.a. John Moxley, took his ball and went home, and everybody online is flipping the F out about it. <sighs> Mark's I don't even know what's out. going on. I'm not paying enough attention, but Dave Meltzer's tweeting... Negative six stars, Seth. I mean, as a joke, but like, and all these people are like, this is a really bad look for your top star to be like running down people for not falling in line with the company. Like people are really up in arms. I guess. I mean, I, you know, this goes to the bigger, we don't have time, but this goes to the bigger conversation of like, you know, Dean Ambrose going on, you know, being the new Japan champion. Like, you know, now they're, now they just announced like Cody's going to do another show, another indie show. It's like, they're diluting a, like, I know that like, you know, um, whatever I was listening to, I guess I, they were talking about on cheap heat actually, um, last week about like, does this kind of prove that now AEW is like the new WWE where they're not giving Dean Ambrose the freedom that he has always claimed to want uh -huh. or whatever, which is a great point. But like it's already by letting these guys wrestle on other promotions, you're diluting it. End of story. They're winning titles all over the world, but they have to be on TV every day. Like in the, it, come on. Well, that's going to all come. I mean, that's going to get tamped down a lot just when the show starts. It has to. It absolutely has to. But as far as the Seth Rollins thing, um, I mean, what is he supposed to say? I mean, who cares? This is not news. This is who cares about all this? Who cares about Dean Ambrose? Enough is enough. I'm sick of hearing about this guy. Well, his name is John Moxley. Uh -huh. It's Dean Ambrose. And he's okay. the number one wrestler in the world. I'm living in Cafe. The guy's name is Dean Ambrose. Okay. I'll never be John Moxley to me. <laughs> That's going to be really difficult when he's on TV every week is John Moxley. Moxley. There he is. It's Moxley. All right. I'm just looking through the news that Jim pulled out. There's nothing. I and mean, there's a lot of stuff that happened. Um, but we'll see. Rusev's contract's almost up. He said we'd be sad to see him go to AEW. Will, will he draw you to AEW if he goes there? Go no. To New Japan? No. Rusev can go. I like Rusev, but he can go. <laughs> see ya. But you won't have any resentment for him like you do CM Punk. No. CM, CM Punk, CM Schmuck. He, 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 he took an oath. He broke the oath. All right, we got to get out of here. Thank you so much. Do you want to talk about, is there anything else you want to talk about? I just want to put over like a couple of, the, the, the Instagram wrestling community is so on fleek right now, okay? It's like insane what is going on with, with um, some of these like Instagram artists. I mean, the, this Hal Haney guy, I don't know if anyone has seen this guy's work where he's doing the double faces of like, you know, one, like one wrestler, um, you know, like, a, you know, they're doing like, you know, he's doing like, you know, both sides of demolition on one head and both. I'm know, looking right now. He's unbelievable. I mean, this this artist is unbelievable. Oh, yeah. I mean, truly unbelievable. Um, you know, this guy at Wrestling Arcade. Have you seen yes, this guy I've where he's doing the 32 bit or whatever it is uh -huh. like moments in wrestling? This guy is unbelievable. This talent. Yeah. And, you know, the, the custom Hasbro, custom LJN, custom Jack specific community is unbelievable right now. I mean, you know, every single time I go on Instagram and I'm following one of these guys, I'm like tempted to like spend my life savings on their work. <laughs>
<laughs> this all is like leading up to the although and then you know you're seeing a lot of these like you know Ryder and hawkins have their wrestling podcast or their their figure podcast and yeah. they have their figure show or whatever and it's like i look at some of these things that they're looking at and my collection at home in my parents basement clowns like half of these collections it's so funny i just don't know I, I have to unearth it one day and then put it in a big case and figure that out i guess at dip you know the, the next dipperstein towers i'll have uh i'll have a big a glass case. how do they get it all them all to stand on the in the in these like if one little nudge to the to the case would knock everything over do they are they are they ruining the figures by pasting them to the glass that's a good question. Uh, are there stands? I mean, I don't know. Someone there are invisible stands. Someone please DM I mean, me at the Dipperstein and tell me how you're how you're uh, <laughs> how you're making all these figures stand that's up. That's the D I P E R S T E I N, right? Yeah. Listen, I just want to thank David Shoemaker and producer Jim for having me on this podcast. I'm honored beyond belief. This is one of the great, besides Cheap Pete, this is one of the great wrestling podcasts uh, on planet Earth, and um, you're one of the, again, you are one of the great wrestling minds and a, and a true uh, icon of wrestling journalism. Oh, I appreciate that. And, uh, I, you know, do me a favor and stay mage, okay? What is the scariest thing in wrestling right now? What is child Brian Dipperstein scared of when he turns on Raw or SmackDown? I'm a little scared of the, of the, uh, the Viking Raiders yeah. uh, right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm quite scared of them. I have to look away for a second. They're pretty scared. You know, Boogeyman was like, you know, from 15 years ago, was Boogeyman. That was, that was big, the worm scenario. You know, I was still just getting Eating out of my childhood worms at is that just point. Inherently, yeah. But um, you know, L Lucha House Party scares me a little bit. I don't know what's going on under those masks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, who knows? But uh, there you go. What's scarier, Lucha House, or, or what's scarier, the Viking, the Viking Raiders, or the idea of Baron Corbin being the top heel for the next ten years? Oh, there's nothing scarier than that. That's what I wanted to hear. Uh, thank you, Dip, for doing this. This has been a pleasure and an honor. And um, only mostly because you ran him down, but because I have to say it every week. Apologies, as always, to John Moxley. We'll see you back here next week. Anyway. And I'm mad at you, and I, and I, I want to beat you up. Yeah, I want to see blood. I'm out for blood. I should be the big dog. I should be the. I should be in the spotlight. I'm a Jewish vampire. We don't care. Fuck you guys. We're gonna be in love, and we're gonna do this. And then they just hug and kiss. It's typical crap. It is crap, Ola. It's a disaster. I mean, what is that? <laughs> m m m m m Masked Man Show. It's sad. Honestly, it's sad.